Near the beginning of the year, I was at a group of folks that was meant to be a discussion group called Let's Talk. It was not long after the Trump election, and many people, particularly those from marginalized backgrounds, were feeling that the world was a much scarier, much more intense place. It was a space that was meant for us to be able to have discussions, to be able to talk about our viewpoints, to share our stories, our concerns, our fears. At one point, I was talking to the group, and I remember saying that it would be critically important for everybody to play their position, which sounds exceptionally generic, but what I meant was that everybody has a way that they can contribute, that they can make things better. And it would be critically important for us to find those ways that we can help make things better and to actually do those things. I'm talking about this tonight because I'm actually still watching Fluffy Pancake XO's stream for Houston Relief. Her original goal was $500 and her community came in and cleared the $500 goal within an hour. It was, it, it was just amazing to watch all the people roll in and donate ten, fifty, a hundred dollars. It's now five hours later and she's raised $1,234. And it's amazing to think that this is part of the power of what gaming can do. This is what we are capable of when we find our talents, when we find what we're good at, when we utilize those things to help the people around us. Fluffy Pancake XO, uh, this was an important cause for her because Houston's her hometown. This is where she's from. And there are any number of ways that people can get involved. But she knew that as one of the lucky few with power, and with access to this kind of technology, this was a way for her to galvanize her community. I am really glad that this is still going, and I'm hoping they're shooting for a goal of $1,500. I think they have said that they're not going to stop until until they hit 1500 So I hope that that happens soon so that she can get some rest. But I hope that we all take some time to think about what are the ways that we can play our position? What are the ways that we can utilize the things that we're good at, the skills that we have to be able to help propel change and progress and particularly help to uplift and benefit those who are in need? I think this is a really awesome way to show the power of gaming and to put things in a positive light. To show that this is a group of people who care about video games, but also care about looking out for people and for helping those who are in a really bad situation. If you're hearing this live, I know it's pretty late. Um, I encourage you to swing over to twitch.tv slash fluffypancakexo. Again, the link will be right here in the, uh, in the segment description. And uh, if you can, donate. I think it's really important. And I'm glad to be able to do my part to help support it as well. In some lighter news, the Destiny 2 beta for PC dropped today. For many folks who are PC exclusive gamers, this will be the first time that they've gotten their chance to dive into the Destiny universe. I did get a beta key and I spent some time with the beta today. 
Much of it is unchanged from the PS4 version. The story mission is the same, the strike mission is the same as well. What is different is that there's a new multiplayer map, and I'm still learning my way around it. What has been interesting though is playing the game with a keyboard and mouse seems to trigger a completely different mentality of play for me. And you wouldn't think that the difference between using a keyboard and using a keyboard and mouse would be that significant when I'm already pretty well versed in both. But I do feel like this is somehow the same way that when I play Super Smash Bros, my gameplay style changes based on the controller I'm using. Originally, you could play Super Smash Bros um, for the Wii and for the Wii U with a GameCube controller, which is the same one that they use for Super Smash Bros Melee. And with that style, I tend to be very uh, defensive, I do a lot of shielding, but when I use the Wii Remote, which is the natural control scheme for the Wii and the Wii U, I get much more aggressive. I tend to move faster and lash out, and it sounds weird, but I think it's just due to the size of the shield button. The shield button on one control on the Wii remote is very small and awkward to get to. On the flip side, the shields on the GameCube controller are large and ergonomically designed. They're comfortable. You just naturally feel more incentivized to use those buttons. It's kind of interesting the way that tactile experience can have so much to do with the way that we experience a game. I've always been a really big advocate for having a quality controller with the release of a console. Many of us who are console gamers can remember going over to a friend's house, being the last one over there and having to use the like Brand X, Mad Cats or GameStop brand controller and it felt like cheap plastic. And naturally, it just felt like you were getting the short end of the stick. Regardless of whether or not we're playing digital games, our interfaces are always physical. And the quality of those physical interfaces is going to shape our experience. I think for many players, Destiny 2 is going to have a richer experience on PC because they can use mechanical keyboards, special gaming mice, and can change and use high uh, high resolution displays, all these different things that make PC gamers proud to be PC gamers. And Destiny 2 also runs at higher graphics quality on PC than it does on console. So for folks who want to have the optimized HDR, 4K, whatever experience, they'll have the access to do that by playing on PC. But even for folks who don't have the highest quality technology or whatnot. I do think it's important to remember that sometimes, regardless of what it is we're playing, what we're playing it with can be just as important. Good evening, everybody. Today is August 29th, and I'm Josh Boykin, the founder of Intelligame.us. You're listening to another edition of Intelligame Radio. Hey 
Hey folks, first off, I want to start by saying thanks to anybody who swung over to Fluffy Pancake Exo's stream last night. She raised over $2,300 for flood relief down in Houston and is actually current, currently streaming right now to try and get up to a three grand mark. It's amazing to see so many people be willing to put their time and their money into helping people in need. So I want to start by saying thanks for that. And also thanks to Fluffy Pancake XO for going through that effort and for doing what she can to help. I actually called a friend of mine who I haven't talked to in a while who lives down in Houston to check on her and to make sure everything was okay. To see if maybe there was something I could mail down or if there was some other way I could help. And she actually is doing fine. She's in a space where she has power. She has, um, she, she's safe. Though she did lose power for a day. And as the storm was gearing up and she was watching the alerts, she knew that she had to stock up on food and she cooked all of the things that she could before the storm happened because she didn't know if she would lose power, how long it would be out for. It was interesting that now that she's she's got the power back, she says that as she checks emails and people were asking her like, oh, can you do this thing or get an update on the status of that? And she'd be like, oh, well, this is all, you know, that's all well and good, but I'm, I'm kind of trying to survive right now. <laughs> the entire state of life shifted as the threat of floodwaters wiping away everything came into play. And almost even as, if not more interesting, is that she said that when she found out that her neighbors across the way had power, on Sunday, she went over there to watch the Game of Thrones season finale because she she had to. It provides this point of normalcy, some sort of tangible security, normality in a completely abnormal situation. It's interesting how we have to balance these these opportunities. We have to take these situations that push us to our limits and then find ways to interject normalcy, which I think is what a lot of people use games for. In fact, she told me that a card game that I told her about, Monopoly Deal, was something that she played with her boyfriend like over and over and over again while they didn't have power because it's a favorite game of hers and it was a good way to pass the time. Games are a way to keep our minds entertained when our bodies perhaps are not able to go out and do the things that we usually would. And, of course, card games in this case are a more, a more reasonable uh, opportunity than perhaps video games would be in a situation where we don't have power. But overall, it did make me think about, again, the usefulness of games even in situations where we're dealing with the very base of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? The bottom of that pyramid where we're talking about finding our physiological needs, our need for safety and for food, 
our biological needs come before any of these these mental concepts and systems that we can come up with but just because we need those base needs satisfied does not mean that there isn't still use to keeping our minds engaged and finding ways to make sure that we can stay entertained and stay optimistic a lot of times that has to do with the people we're around but i think games can help with that too it's kind of a interesting way to get a little bit of perspective so for any folks who might be listening to this who are perhaps in harm's way or have been dealing with this i uh, i send all of my thoughts and best wishes to you and if there are ways in which pe that people can support you uh, please call in here to the station and i would be happy to echo any of that I talk about streaming a lot here on IntelliGame Radio, and it's because when I look back on the past year, almost two years of IntelliGame, streaming has become a really significant part of who I am in the gaming community and what I do. It's not just the act of streaming and creating a space for an audience, but it's about the community that builds up around the stream. I bring up Fluffy Pancake XO because she was actually one of the first streamers that I started watching regularly. There was a game called Power Rangers Legacy Wars that was on mobile, and I started playing that and saw that she was one of the few other people on Twitch who was playing it as well. So I watched her stream, and she's got this, uh, I don't know if you ever heard ASMR videos, but they're the voices, they're people like, it sounds like they're whispering in your ear or something like that, and people seem to really enjoy it. But her, her voice was just very friendly, and her stream was very chill, and so I followed her, because it's free to follow. But I found that I kept coming back to her stream because she continued to foster this positive community. A lot of what I try to instill in the IntelliGame community um, I'll admit that I crib bits and pieces of it from her and from other streamers who I think are doing positive things in the space. A lot of people have this concept or this thought that streaming is just either people who are super physically attractive, who are selling their essentially their images, or people who are yelling and being really vulgar. And that's not to say that those things don't exist. But the streaming space is much broader. And I found that one of the really great benefits of it, compared to doing traditional journalism, is that it involves the audience. It involves the people that would be the reader in a more instantaneous, more direct way. It also helps you to build these communities of streamers and viewers and people put together these discord servers, these places where uh, folks can talk with each other off, uh, off stream and share pictures or talk about politics. Um, one of my other favorite streamers, Llama Down Under, has done absolutely fantastic work building this community that can talk about anything ranging from what they had to dinner to the latest antics of the Trump administration, and it's this amazing, vibrant chat that I just, I can't understand how it happens. But it does make me have this appreciation for streaming 
in a manner that I never thought I would. So I would encourage you, if you're not a regular watcher of streams, you don't have to. Um, you don't have to do it all the time. But maybe sometime when you're hanging out and just scrolling through Facebook, instead, open up Twitch. See if you can find a creative stream or an IRL stream, uh, which are not necessarily games, or look up one of your favorite games and see if there's somebody who's playing it. You might be surprised at what you find. So I spent most of today working on getting my schedule put together for PAX West, the Penny Arcade Expo up in Seattle, Washington. It'll start for me on Thursday, but formally it runs Friday through Monday. And there's a lot of really cool stuff out there. So I wanted to take some time and share some of the games with you that I feel really excited about and I'm looking forward to being able to check out. The first of them is called Where the Water Tastes Like Wine. It's described as a bleak American folk tale about traveling, sharing stories, and surviving manifest destiny. It was shown at E3 2017 by Dim Bulb Games, and it received seven Best of Show nominations. The PAX demo is going to show off some new content, and it also has an amazing writing team, including a bunch of really interesting uh, writers in the game space. So I'm super excited to be able to check that out. As you folks know, I'm a sucker for anything with quality narrative. Also, I'm looking forward to uh, spending some time with some more conventional titles. Final Fantasy XV is making its way to PC, and I'm intrigued to see what the graphics and everything look like. More excited than that, though, I'm excited for Dissidia NT. This is uh, Final Fantasy Dissidia is the Final Fantasy fighting game. It's sort of a free-range open combat. It looks, feels very cinematic. It involves a bunch of iconic characters from all over the Final Fantasy universe. And this is going to be its debut in America on the PS4. It actually existed in arcades in Japan for a while, and I was super jealous. But I'm, that's going to be the first time I get my hands on the game, and I'm probably going to lose my mind about it. Also, uh, there are a couple events being run for, uh, they're called Halcyon Gatherings, which is uh, their Vainglory meetups. Vainglory is a 3v3 competitive MOBA, uh, so basically you are working with a team of two other people to defeat the other team of three, and uh, it's free to play on cell phones. I think I've talked a little bit about it before. It's run by my buddy Chan Chai. Uh, he runs the Pacific Northwest Vainglory group. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how this event runs. It'll be uh, done in partnership with Super Evil Mega Corporation, the company that uh, the parent company behind Vainglory. So I think there's going to be a lot of fun there. Also, I'm <laughs> I'm also pretty excited for. Hold on, let me get the full name here. The Amazing Eternals, which is actually um, it's a change of uh, it's a recent name change of a game called Keystone, but it's sort of a 1970s feeling hybrid, I believe, card card battling first person shooter. Uh, it looks like it's got a really cool art style and I'm excited to see more about that. 
Also, from a story perspective, Surprise Attack Games is bringing both the Invisible Hand and Orwell Ignorance's Strength. The second season of Orwell is going to be dealing with this idea of fake news, and The Invisible Hand is a narrative adventure that delves into the ideas of stock market management and the sacrifices that we may be making to essentially work into this very materialistic uh, capitalist structure. I'm there's all sorts of stuff uh, that's just kind of scratching the surface. I've only got five minute segments, as you know, uh, but you'll be hearing a lot about those and other games that I'm able to check out over the course of PAX, uh, PAX West. So I hope you get excited about those. And if there are any games that are going to be at PAX that you are excited about or would like me to try and take a look into, you should go ahead and call in using that anchor button, uh, the call in button here on anchor. I'd love to hear from you. That sound means that it's time for game of the day. And you know that we haven't done game of the day in a while. It's because I haven't really been playing games as much as I should be. But the point of the story is that I've been trying to make at least a little bit of time each day for playing a game. In the past couple of days, it's been usually right before bed, but I found myself hooked on this game called Crown Takers. It's available on mobile, but it's also on PC too. And I'm not quite sure how old it is. It's a game that I got uh, as part of a Humble Bundle. If you go to HumbleBundle.com, they commonly sell bundles of games at humble prices. Uh, they're usually pay what you want and uh, you can choose what portion of your proceeds go to charity um, It's a really it's a really cool service But anyway crown takers is what's called a roguelike game Which means that you start the game off and you Generally go through the game you get new abilities or you level up or whatnot But when you die you lose all your progress and you start from the beginning now this is going to sound really intimidating to a lot of folks who aren't familiar with the genre, but one of the benefits of it is that when you when you die or when you lose, you're just you're just lost. It's it's okay. You don't have to worry about um, these long, arduous commitments. And the other thing that roguelikes do to try and kind of ease the pain is that as you play them more you eventually unlock better abilities or better capabilities so that it's easier to make progress later. In Crown Takers, you start as a hero who is play, uh, making his way to try and save the king who has been uh, locked in a castle. It's a turn-based RPG, so you explore different areas on the map and you can uh, choose basically to spend more time searching the map trying to find items or money that can benefit you or going straight towards where you're hoping your objectives are. The longer that you spend roaming the map, the stronger your enemies become. And anytime you encounter enemies, you go into a turn-based tactical combat where you move, uh, you alternate moving your characters on a hex map and then watching your enemies move to try and either to attack your characters. It's a challenging game, and the first couple times I died very quickly, but as you learn your way around the system, 
it becomes fairly approachable. And the nice thing is that as you play it more, you unlock new allies that you can bring with you on the, on the quest, and you learn when to take risks or when to just push forward to try and approach a boss before the before you have too many days pass and before they get stronger. I haven't beaten it yet, and I expect that I'll spend a couple more days with it because the honest benefit of it is that I can play it in bed. <laughs> like, I don't have to, to sit up with my TV. It's right there on my tablet. And I really appreciate games that have that kind of portability. Yes, I have a Nintendo 3DS and could use that for something like that too, but having something that has this sort of casual interaction is something I really appreciate. So if you're looking for a tactical game that's got a pretty approachable art style and is, I would call it maybe mid-level, it's not a super casual game, but it's definitely streamlined so that it doesn't need to appeal to the super hardcore, I would check out Crown Takers. Well, folks, I think that does it for us tonight. As always, I'm your host, Josh Boykin, and you can find me on Twitter at Wallstormers. If you're looking for more IntelliGame content, swing on over to IntelliGame.us. And if you're looking for us on social media, you can go to Facebook or Twitter.com slash Let's IntelliGame. Tomorrow is when we are doing our live stream since, well, Thursday I'll be in Seattle, so I will not be around. So tomorrow we will be streaming from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time. We'll be streaming more of Orwell. Uh, it's it's gonna be <laughs> it's it's gonna be interesting. Uh, it's probably gonna be a little depressing, but I really enjoy the game, and I'm particularly looking forward to having a little bit of a grasp on it before uh, checking out Ignorance's Strength in Seattle. If you've got any questions or comments that you want to leave, feel free to use that call-in button here on Anchor, or if you're listening with your favorite podcast app then make sure that you uh, go ahead and drop us a tweet or a Facebook comment, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. So until tomorrow, play your position and keep IntelliGaming. <laughs>